the Ghost Goal Podcast. Mauricio Pochettino is Moses in the Bible leading his people out of Egypt. The exodus of Chelsea has begun with numerous players, Kai Havertz, Mateo Kovacic, Edward Mendy, Kalidou Koulibaly, N'Golo Kante, Hakim Ziyech, probably five or six more this summer. Um, they're, all, they're all gone out of Chelsea. Chelsea's team is going to look completely different next season, um, but this is just the beginning today. Today, Declan Rice, pretty much confirmed, signed for Arsenal. Record signing English for uh, English football, 105 million pounds. Can you tell I'm excited? It's been uh, it's been a great day. It's been an eventful summer so far. We have that and a lot more transfers to talk about. Uh, this is Javier here with the Goal Skull Podcast, uh, episode number 412. Getting up there, Alex. We didn't do something for 400 like we said we were going to do. Oh, Alex is here as well. Sorry, I should introduce him too. But... Uh, what did you think of that, hey. Alex? How was that? It was it wasn't great. I, I did it on the fly, but you really uh, you really zagged when I thought you were going to zig there because uh, you're starting out in the the previous attempt to uh, intro this pod by uh, talking about how great Arsenal are and how many great signings they make, and all of a sudden he switches up on me and decides decides to instead dunk on Chelsea. But that's how this pod goes. Uh, so, so are, do you want to start with Chelsea? Is that what I'm, I'm hearing from you, or do you want to, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, it seems like go all in the, on all the... a little bit more. No, we can, we can, we can start with Chelsea because it, I mean, Chelsea and Arsenal have already been directly linked this window. We, we. Um, do you want to start there? I mean, I think we should go there last. But do you, I mean, it, of all these players that you that I just mentioned, you know, Mateo Kovacic, Edward Mendy, Kalidou Koulibaly, N'Golo Kante, and Hakim Ziyech. All confirmed gone out of Chelsea right now. Um, Kai you know, Who are you going to miss? Uh, I, I was going to say, we'll talk about Kai last. Um, but uh, of, of these players, who are you going to miss the most? Um, you know, I think Mateo Kosic is a, was a huge part of your team these last few years. I feel like losing him is going to be massive. Tiny little fee, too. $25 million to City. Typical Manchester City just low-balling and uh, taking players when... Uh, you know the, the fee should be much bigger, but they uh, they they don't, they never seem to overpay. I mean, we only spent like thirty or forty million on him like four years ago. So, and he's got one year left on his contract, or had one year left on his contract. So it's it's not too surprising. But uh, the, the only answer to that question of which one I'll miss the most is Ingolo Kante, and he's barely played for Chelsea for the last year or so. So, in practice practice we won't actually miss him because we haven't had him due to you know persistent injuries uh for the last couple of years um but you know just for what he uh for what he symbolized to to the club everyone loved N'Golo Kante he's our one truly world-class player uh when healthy obviously you need to make that uh, distinction i saw i got i got i got i got to see him in his prime in 2018 at that uh world cup live um, we know when he played Peru and unbelievable seeing him live. I think he's his performance in that World Cup game and in that World Cup in general. I mean, it was one of the best performances I've ever seen, um, you know, by a player. And he, he was such a you know, he was a generational talent, Alex, because for years and years we talked about when anyone talked about a, a midfielder, it was in Kante. It was how amazing, you know, defensive midfielder. It, it, every comparison was always to N'Golo Kante. And, you know, the impact that he had for Leicester, 
the way that they won the league, um, and then that he immediately went to Chelsea and they won the league. They went from a 10th place, 12th place team to winning the league with N'Golo Conte. I mean, it's just wild, wild things. Um, you know, this guy's legend. And the, the fact that he, for the only like real period that he was able to stay healthy since that 2019 champion or Europa League final against you guys, when Sari played him when he was, you know, had an injury and he, he hasn't been the same since. The one time since then that he put together like a long period of uh, being able to play was when Chelsea went on that Champions League winning run in 2021. And he, you know, got mad at the match in both semifinals against Real Madrid and the final against Manchester City. He he's a great player, a beautiful man. Uh, it's it's sad to see him go, but uh, he was a player that didn't just, have a bad just, bone in his body. I mean, he he exactly. never uh, never was dirty. Um, I mean, he he's, he was good at great, amazing at tackling, but it was almost always clean. And I yeah, can't but he also it. had the baby face. You know, the baby face players who get away with bad stuff no, because but, you just I love mean, them Ingo- too much. Ingo- too was, nice. He was, but he was such a such a great player. I mean, I can't I can't say enough good things about him. And and I agree, with you, Alex. I mean, but other than that, I mean. Edward Mendy, he was supposed to be the you know, best goalkeeper in the world, Alex. You know, how did he not win best goalkeeper, you know, when he had such an amazing performance a few years ago? And he's still he, hey, supposed he has, to be entering he his has prime. The record. He has the record for the fewest goals conceded in a Champions League campaign. So, yeah, it's uh, bullshit now. Well, you know, for gone a winner. after a couple of years. Not really. Yeah, you know, that this record is, no, is not going to be this, broken anytime this, soon. No, but it stains, it stains the, the achievement. I, I, I don't want to talk about each of these individually, Javier. I want to talk about what this means, you know, big picture. Because, you know, you can try to... People will probably try to make it seem like, oh, max exodus from Chelsea in the summer. Like, players leaving as sinking ship. But this was, it was entirely necessary. You can't criticize Chelsea for signing a boatload Maybe, of players in but January. I don't know if it was all of these players that it was necessary. Like, if you end up losing Havertz and Mount, that's not necessary. Kovacic. Yeah, okay, well, Mason Mount is a completely different issue, which we've, okay. we've covered on this. You know you know my stance on that. We should not let him leave for any fee, and we should spend this year trying to convince him to re-sign, and frankly, the owner should, you know, cop on and just pay the man what he's worth. Uh that put that to the side. Pay Simon his money. Yeah. Okay. Ra- Pay a him rounders his fucking money. In, a rounders reference in 2023. <laughs> but but no. But seriously, Mason needs money. You know. He, he does need his money. He deserves it. But these other six transfers, they were all necessary. We signed. A record amount of players in January. They obviously haven't all panned out yet, but they need to clear out the dressing room from players from the old regime, certain players given, to make room for these new faces to take ownership of the team. Players like Enzo Fernandez, uh, you know, Mikhailo Mudrik, criticize him all you want. He, he did not have a good first like five or six months at Chelsea. But he's not going anywhere anytime soon, so he needs the opportunities to break into that forward line as well. So, like for God's sakes, a lot of these players, the new signings in January, there were not enough lockers in the Cobham dressing room, the training facility, for them to, to you know, get ready at. They were out in the hallway with their boots and like everything in a pile on the floor out in the hallway because there were too many players in the squad. We have to get... And I don't think we've even done enough. We still need to get rid of... Romelu Lukaku. Hakim Ziyech isn't uh, confirmed yet, but he's expected to leave. He's another one. 
Uh, Christian Pulisic, no one will take his like 200,000 a week wages that he wants to keep getting paid. There's a lot of work left to be done. And frankly, I'm happy that it's uh, we've gotten rid of this many players this soon in the transfer window. That was the biggest issue for Chelsea facing them in this transfer window. Not signing new players. I'm sure we can find some new players to come in, but we did most of our, our incoming transfers back in January. Now it's up to Pochettino to take those players, maybe get a couple of more signings that he you know, personally uh, wants himself and bring them into the team. But we have the players to you know, turn our, our fortunes around next season. But uh, yeah, it, it, I think it's overall a good thing for the club. As, as doom and gloom as people are trying to make it out to, to be, I, I think it was absolutely necessary to get rid of a lot of these players. So where do you want to turn to next? Do you want to turn to uh, your well, boys? Yeah, do, you, do you want to no, talk about some of the players? Well, that let's talk about Kai Havertz, Alex. You're not going to talk about him at all. You're not going to miss Kai Havertz. You don't think that he, you think he was done at Chelsea. You didn't want him anymore. I mean, 65 million is a big fee, but I think it's going to end up being cheap in the, when everything is said and done. I think Kai is going to be much better at Arsenal than he ever was at Chelsea, which is weird to say because he won a Champions League at Chelsea, but I think the level that he's going to hit... Kai's like Jorginho to me. I, I, I will never hate that player because they were in the Chelsea team when we did great things, you know? Winning the Champions League, like, I, I, I would never hate David Luiz even when he went to Arsenal. He was in the 2012 team that won the Champions League for us. He was in the Premier League team in 2016-17 that won the league for us. You don't hate those players. You understand completely when, you know, their time to move on, like, has come. And Kai Havertz, would I have kept him around? I, I would have rather kept him around than let him go to Arsenal, just because of my specific relationship and hatred for Arsenal. But if uh, they're the only club willing to pay $65 million to bring him in, and Real Madrid and Bayern Munich weren't, then okay, sell him to Arsenal. Let his uh, lackluster finishing and uh, oh oh Real Madrid and Bayern Munich wide wanted let, him. Let their yeah 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 yeah, yeah because those, yeah, those like, I'm just naming yeah. the other two clubs that were linked with him before Arsenal came in exactly. You know? But that's what I'm me. saying. You think those blame, clubs blame the, you blame those the transfer clubs, rumors? No, I'm saying you think those clubs were just in for him because uh, they. Just, I, I, you know. I didn't say that. I just said those player those clubs weren't in for him, so let him go somewhere else. No, and they didn't want to pay as much Arsenal. as we did, but. They don't have the money right. to spend and on we that. Basically, we basically made back the money that we bought him for and got a Champions League. So I think League Kai Havertz so is going to fit a, a mold, um, and he's going to fit something into the team that... Where does he play? Uh, so so, this, so this, is, this is where I, I need to go kind of in a deep dive here, Alex, because Kai is not going to be played in a traditional sense of, oh, he's going to play in midfield, or he's going to play as a striker or as a winger. People were trying to put him into a box, um, but this is the type of player that can play in space. That 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 it that has to do with spaces. And Arsenal, the way Arsenal plays, we're all everything to do with spaces. The way that we play, um, you know, the the areas that we want to keep the ball, the way that we keep the ball moving. Um, and I have a question for you, Alex. Do you know who benefited from the spaces the most last season in the Arsenal team that were created from the team the most? Which spaces are you discussing? Like just, just in general, like creating space to to get chances, to you know score goals, to create assists, to get dangerous situations. Who do you think, when Arsenal was creating space, ended up benefiting a lot of time from that space created, from like the Granny wingers Shaka. or the midfielder? Exactly, 
Granite Shaka. So, well, that's because people didn't view him as as much of a threat. So you're you know it's more understandable to leave a player like Granite Shaka in space. You know, they underestimated him basically. Incorrect. I, I'm not saying I'm not I mean, saying he didn't go, do a good job. You can't. So there's a reason you, he was left there in was space. There was no one. There was no one thinking that Granit Xhaka wasn't a threat when early on this season he was started banging in goals and getting assists. He was a he was yeah, super hot to start the season. You're and, misunderstanding what I'm and saying. Kept I'm up saying, that product pretty much the entire year. Ended up with double yeah, digit because, goals because even when he starts playing well, what are you going to do? You're, are you going to take your focus away from Saka, Martinelli? Gabriel Jesus, Odegaard, all of those players putting up like better stats than than Jaka. I mean, Jaka. Let, let me tell you, when you go back and look at his stats defensively, there was not a lot that Granit Jaka was doing defensively uh, off the ball. You know, and he wasn't asked to do very much off the ball defensively most of the time. The vast majority of the time, what Granit Jaka was doing was late runs into the box, um, was shots from just outside of the box, uh, headers. With by the way, Kai Havertz is six foot three, taller than Jaka, just a similar of a physical presence. He's he's not definitely he's not very good at headers. Definitely quicker, far quicker than he's Granit Xhaka. He's a couple, Xhaka. but he's uh, he's not very good at headed. All right, well, headed quicker goals. than Granit Xhaka. He's only twenty four. He can be he can be taught, Alex. Oh, he's quicker. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say he's just not let me quicker. let me put it to you this way: If Granit Xhaka, who looked like a complete and utter shithead for most of his Arsenal career, who I utterly dis- hated, and so did you, for a large period of time we made fun of him, if he can turn his career around under Arteta to the player that he became now that he's leaving Arsenal, I firmly believe that Kai Havertz can be something similar. And it won't be the same role, though. So I, I do think Jaka had better, you know, a, a lot of his stuff was also intangibles, leadership. That's what we're going to miss that from Xhaka as well. Um, but the biggest thing that I think we're missing from Xhaka was he didn't, didn't have the versatility on the ball to get by a player or two to put in a lethal pass, which by the way, Kai Havertz has an unbelievable left foot, absolute wand of a left foot with first time passes, shots. Um, and that's going to be in his threaded through balls with his left foot first time are unreal and we don't have that we have Odegaard on on the other side and we'll now have a player that Saka can or Martinelli can get through balls you know very quickly on the ground Um, and this player can bypass a player or two get into space and then play a through ball for extremely quick wingers or Jesus who will also have space like freed up because having Havertz I think there's a reason why we went for him first. We didn't go for Declan Rice first. We didn't go for Timber first. We went for Havertz first, and we tried to get him before anyone else. We were willing to pay pretty much exactly what you guys asked for. You know, We ended up giving you exactly what you asked for. We weren't playing around. We wanted that player immediately. And there's going to be a reason for it. I firmly trust in Arteta here. I, I, I think also the standings that we've made around it, Declan Rice confirmed today, um, you know, he's going to be signing for Arsenal, 105 million pounds record signing. Him being in midfield behind Kai Havertz is going to be, you know, an, an insane security between with him and Odegaard. He's been operating kind of as the lone midfielder at West Ham, doing extremely well there. Similar role for England. I mean, he starts every game, rarely gets injured. He usually plays in a, he usually plays in a pivot for England and for West Ham. He's had so for West Ham, next he does, to him more Pakita. Right. Uh, and for England, it's it's been Calvin Phillips, but now he has Bellingham. Well, Rice was always the f- the furthest back. Suchek kind of would break into the he box, is, get a bunch of goals. 
you know, he is, it, but he's worked his way. He's worked his way forward in the West Ham team, like since breaking in as like a center back for them. He worked his way up to defensive midfielder, and then he kind of became like a box to box midfielder. I'm not saying he's not capable of doing yeah, the defensive and, midfield and, job, yeah, and that's not really gonna what be, we're going to want him to, to do go for back us to being a defensive midfielder for you. But I think I mean this is an unbelievable signing. I think other than possibly Caicedo, I think this is the second best midfielder we could have signed. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't think we could actually sign him. You know, there was no, even after the run that we had last season, I didn't think we'd be able to beat teams like Manchester City, um, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, teams like that, to someone like Declan Rice. I, I thought he was destined for a Galactico signing, um, but... I wouldn't say that. Only, like, West Ham only came in in, like, the last week or so, right? That's, like, when the, the rumors started heating up. Like, it was all Arsenal up until about a week or maybe two weeks ago when the yes, Man this City is rumors in the last, started. Yes, this is in the last, like, month or whatever. But just, I never really, like, the way that Arsenal have been going, if you look at Arsenal and their history, we've never been able to make a signing like this before. This elevates us to another level. Um I mean, honestly, it puts us on a similar level now as Manchester United, as Chelsea have been in these last few years, as Real Madrid, Barcelona. There aren't many. PSG, I mean, making these hundred million pound signings, going out and beating the best teams in the world for a player like this. It just has never happened for Arsenal before. This I want to say this is now the peak of Arsenal's powers. I, I understand there's been times that we've had we've won a double, we've had invincibles. We don't. I don't think we realize it yet, but I think this is going to be the best team Arsenal's ever had when it's all said and done. Um, but I, that's just my feeling right now. I mean, it just again, we haven't had this this level of signings of being able to number one rip from a from a direct rival their best attacking player in Chelsea, a direct London rival. I mean, it just doing that is mind blowing to me. I mean, it, think about it. In the past, it would have been like taking Drogba from you or like taking. I know that <laughs> it would be. It would have been like taking someone like that from you, like early on. Like you know what uh, I mean. Yes. Maybe two Ty or three Havertz. years. The uh, the quote best attacking player for a team that scored thirty eight goals. Yeah, let's in the league. Let's get excited about no, that. No, Alex. Obviously, <laughs> you had a bad year last year, but can you imagine selling Kai Havertz a year ago to us before last season? No, no chance. You would have said there's no fucking way you'd have to pay us no, one hundred twenty million. I'm pretty sure there's I'm no sure chance that you would you ever at the beginning of, ever I'm have sure that, that would ever happen. Beginning of this season, Javier, that you know this season was make or break for Kai Havertz, and he failed. He, you know. He's he's lived off of the Champions League winning goal for his entire time at Chelsea because he scored it in his first season. You know, I, 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 I'm not happy about that. I would rather that he, you know, ended up living up to his potential at Chelsea, but he didn't. So we moved him on for almost as much money as we bought him for. I, I want to come back to him, actually, just for a second, just to say it, it feels like, you know, from our conversations, you know, through text between the two of us and, you know, what we've talked about so far that you're thinking opening day of the season with everyone healthy, that Arsenal team is going to be Ramsdale in goal, left back Sinchenko, Gabriel left center back or Timber, Timber Saliba as the two center backs, right back uh, White. No chance. Gabriel and Saliba then, starts. No chance. Those are the only two I know are starting with Ramsdale. Okay. So I don't Gabriel know what the rest Saliba of the team is going to look like. Just I don't know. Finish. Saka I'm for sure. Saying, it actually, sounds but. like you're leaning towards... The usual back four and goalkeeper, and then in midfield, Declan Rice at the base of midfield, Kai Havertz in the sort of left center midfield, Xhaka role, 
and Odegaard in the right center midfield uh, role that he had, and then the same front three of. We're Saka not going to have the Jesus same players. I don't think that we're just going to try to like slot the players that we have into the same system. I don't think system. you should. I don't and think you should. And if you either. look at historically with Arteta, every season he's changed the system. So he played a different system when he came in. Then he tried to go to five at the back, um, and then he changed to you know uh, playing with almost two strikers to playing with no strikers to this four three three that he developed last season, um, switching it to like you know almost a three four four, and then you know uh, we kind of ran out of ideas by the end of the season. But I do think Arteta is the type of manager that he's not just going to set the team up to do the exact same thing this season. He knows that we we that that would the team's kind of figured out how to beat that type of arsenal, and we're going to develop more ways to play. I don't think we're going to come out on the opening day and play the same way. I don't think that the that the I think the context you're everyone's trying to fit how someone like Kai Havertz into is going to be in a like a very linear way. They're thinking about it and like, oh, is he going to be a forward? Is he going to be a center forward? Is he going to be a right winger? I mean, if you think about it, is Zinchenko a left back? Like, no, Zinchenko wasn't playing left back for us at all last season. He was basically in, in midfield the vast majority of the time or even further up the field, like almost like a winger at times. But again, that was all about the spacing, right? Where the space on the field was, where he could operate in that space. And that's where I think for Kai Havertz is going to be very important is like how we adapt to him to give him the space that he needs to operate. And I think I think he fits so perfectly even better than Granit Xhaka did. I think Xhaka was the, the weakest piece, even though Xhaka had an incredible season last year. I think almost any player in our team could have fucking played in that position and, and performed similarly. I do think that that position is where we have by far the most room to improve. And there's a reason we went for Havertz first. Like, I do think that he it's going to change the way we play, the spacing, the control we have in games... You're going to think, so oh, defensively, I, like you're going to be. I agree with you. Yeah. To an extent. I, I just think, because like, I was saying the same thing about Kai Havertz, about how to unlock him, like for Chelsea for years. And, you know, for multiple different managerial tenures, the only, the only way that managers like Lampard, Tuchel, Potter could think to fit a player like him into their team was as a center forward who was like given the license to drift around. But what I will say about how this applies to Arsenal is that you're only allowed a certain number of those players. But the, the Germans call it a Raumdauter. It's like, you know, Thomas Muller. In England, it would be like Deli Ali when he first broke out. They're space eaters is like the literal transition or translation of that. Uh, they're players that you need to give the license to find the space and take advantage of it. You know, other countries would call them like a number ten, but you know, it's it's got a it's got a slightly different uh, meaning in in Germany. He is Kai Havertz is the quintessential Ramdauter, along with Thomas Muller. Uh, actually, Thomas Muller would probably be the quintessential one since he was before Kai Havertz and far more successful. But what I'm saying is, you you can have those players that you know their their role is a little less defined, and that takes advantage of their qualities. But if you have too many of them. The, the team suffers, you know, right now, I feel like you had like last season, at least I'll, I'll speak about, you had Alexander Zinchenko, you know, drifting into midfield, allowing Xhaka to push forward, or, you know, if Zinchenko is caught out of position, Xhaka could drop back into that left back spot if necessary, not all the time, but if necessary, and cover for him. You have Odegaard, 
who's drifting all over the field, drifting out wide to the wings to combine with Saka and getting into the box to score. If you introduce Kai Havertz as like a, again, I don't mean this as a direct replacement for Granit Xhaka, but if he's taking that spot, I don't see that working out. Where I can see it working out excellently is if Kai Havertz is the super sub replacement for Odegaard or Gabriel Jesus, or even out wide if like Saka needs a rest. You guys have Champions League games now. He, like all those players will not it would not be a good thing to play all of those players so consistently like you did last season no because so Kai Havertz well, Kai yes, Havertz makes you better we'll, in that regard I think exactly he can I come think we'll in be able when to, he'll be a great a and yes. he'll be great he'll be great for every position that we need cover on in that front line but I think when he does start with those other players I think when Arsenal had their starting lineup last season there was no team that was better than us in the league. I firmly believe that we didn't have our starting lineup in either of the city games. So Yeah, just I, ignore a treble winning Manchester City team. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean I don't I mean again like I, I the, the, a team that beat you twice, fucked you up twice, won the Champions League, won the treble. Yeah, okay. All right, yeah, just, all right. I'm sorry, gods, I can't let you get away than with them, that. Other statement. than them. Oh, other than them. Yeah, okay. We were the best team. Yeah. No, okay. but we were we didn't lose a game when we had our our, our full starting 11. There was injuries almost always at some point and you know, we lost a lot of key players during the season. City didn't lose key players at all. Ultimately, that was what mattered in the run-in. But when we had our best players, we, we looked absolutely dominant. Um, and if you change that lineup from putting Kai Havertz and Granit Xhaka in there, like, we were so dominant in those games. We had the ball 75, almost 80% of the time against teams with when we would have that team. Kai Havertz won't have to like defend barely at all, basically. Javier, understand? Yeah, against, like, against Luton, against you know any other lower league team, if you walk out there with a midfield of Declan Rice, Kai Havertz, and Odegaard, yeah, you're going you're gonna to screw them. You're going to destroy them. I, I don't disagree with that. But if you walk out there with that lineup against Manchester City, you're fucked. Like, 100%. No, I mean, if we still have Partey, I could see us doing like Partey, Rice, and Havertz, and or like, and Odegaard. I don't know. The numbers don't work there. Right. You know, you're only allowed 11 players, man. <laughs> I don't but know yeah, what to tell anyway, you. Anyway, <laughs> Alex. The last we, we one is Yuri other transfers to hit on. Yes. Do you want to leave Yuri Timber, Timber until uh, it's it's like it's fully announced? All right, yeah, like maybe we, it's we enough, spent like a good... enough Arsenal, right? All right, all right. Let's go on. Go There's on, so go many ahead, other transfers ahead, to hit on. Like, what else do you want to hit? Earlier today, James Madison, it was announced, has uh, moved to Tottenham for about 46 million euros. Uh, he's obviously come from Leicester, who were just relegated. You know, There's rumors of it for about a month now that Tottenham are trying to get uh, Madison and Barnes. Uh, I think coming away with James Madison is a pretty good one. We, we've talked about, at least when Conte was manager, they needed that number 10 who was you know, a bit more uh, central in their lineup, focused on retaining possession and controlling games for them while also providing a, uh, a goal threat going forward. Basically, in a replacement to Christian Eriksen, who they, they were ne- never able to replace after, you know, selling him or getting rid of him a couple of seasons ago when Mourinho was there. I think it's a pretty astute signing. I wouldn't have been mad if Chelsea had gotten him if like this Mason Mount to United thing uh, ends up happening. He's one of the better attacking midfielders, you know, number 10s in the league. Uh, But they still have a ton of other work to do. I'm not trying to play this off as, you know, everything's fixed at Tottenham. But it's a good starting piece for uh, Ange Postacoglu to to, to go with. Uh, what, What were your reaction? What was your reaction when you saw this Madison news earlier today? Definitely feels like they needed a player like Madison. Um, they haven't had a, a driving, creative force in their midfield um, since, you know, like 
I want to say Erickson, really. I mean, Deli Ali was kind of that player for a while, too, but they, they, they haven't really had the goals coming from midfield anymore, and they desperately need that. Um, and this is a player who can link the, 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 the back line and the front line. He can tackle. He can press. He's a, you know, he's a great player, and I think he'll do well. He can play Tottenham. out wide, too. And if, if, if Harry Kane stays and if Human Son stays and they have Madison, you know, I think that'll be a great front four with Kulishevsky as well. I think who he signed permanently as well. I think he was on loan. Um, and that was made permanent this summer. So two like, you know, big signing Madison um, shows that Tottenham's intent. You know, they're probably trying to keep someone like Harry Kane showing him, you know, we're making big signings like this. Don't don't go away. Um, so, yeah, I think it's good from Tottenham. Yeah, they also got their replacement for uh, Hugo Lloris, who they announced they were not going to re-sign this summer, uh, in Guglielmo Vicario. Honestly, I'm pretty proud of that pronunciation. Uh, first time trying it out loud. Uh, he's a 26-year-old Italian keeper they signed from Empoli for about 20 million euros. I'm not going to try to pretend like I've done the full scouting report on him, uh, but unless they sign someone else, I, I would anticipate that this will be their uh, starting goalkeeper from uh, day one. And they tried it with that Golini kid from Atalanta a few years ago when, or a year or two ago when, when uh, Alex, Conte it's was there, uh, but... Guglielmo Vicario. Guglielmo, do you have to do the accent? Like... Yes, you do, because you can't say it unless it'll be like, Guglielmo Vicario. Like that doesn't sound what, but it's, uh, well, here's the do... thing. I, I, I see what you're doing. All of my Spanish-speaking friends, whenever they say any name or place uh, from a uh, you know a Spanish-speaking country or, or name, they uh, default back into you know Avier Arevalo. <laughs> but I don't know enough Italians to uh, really care about how they think I pronounce his but name. No, so. I, you can't be per, you can't be like yeah. I see that Guglielmo Vicario. I'm pretty proud of my pronunciation there. I don't think it was as uh, you know. <laughs> Deep south is that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I said Guglielmo Vicario. I don't know. I feel like I, I did okay with the pronunciation. Uh, yeah, that pretty much sums up how much we know about him. We've spent most of the time talking about the pronunciation of his name and not the merits of his uh, goalkeeping ability. But, uh, you know, I just wanted to mention that before we move on to some of the other transfers. Uh, a surprising one is uh, Ruben Nevis from uh, Wolves, who was a mainstay of their team that got promoted from the championship. Uh, and you know the last couple of years in the Premier League scored some beautiful goals. That's a wild signing, man! I thought United, Arsenal, Chelsea, any of those teams could have used him. Yeah, he's going to Al Hilal as part of the Saudi Arabian exodus of uh, players. I was going to say, I'm 26, guessing none of these teams were going to offer him what 100 million or whatever he's getting a year. Well, yeah, I mean the the transfer fee itself was 55 million, which you'd think maybe United would stump up that much to, to go get him, maybe a little bit less if he preferred the move there. But yeah, they, they must be offering him huge wages like everyone else that's going to Saudi Arabia. But I think it's uh, it's an important one to mention because he is only 26 years old. You know, this isn't Benzema at 35 or 34 or Ronaldo Yeah, we're going to see him pop up. We're going to see him pop up a couple of years from now when he's back from Saudi Arabia. But no one's going to care about any of these players while they're there. No one's going to be watching that league. I don't think it's true because they, they will still get selected for international teams, you know? Maybe not all of them. Maybe not like Kante or Benzema because of like, you know, the, the, the level that's required for the French national team. But, you know, Ruben Neves would will still be playing for Portugal at the next Euros, the next World Cup. So, Somehow uh, I don't he, think he'll be starting. Somehow I don't think he'll care. 
I think he'll look at his bank account and just be like, okay, yeah, that works. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I did just want to mention that one because it did, you know, kind of surprise me when I saw the news. Um, but Ilkay Gundogan, he's going to uh, Barcelona on a free transfer. Uh, I think that's worth mentioning. We, we've talked about how difficult it is that, like, to replace him. And I think even with like the, the cheap fee that they got, uh, that Manchester City got Kovacic for, uh, it's a good replacement. But Kovacic doesn't give you the goal threat either with his own goal scoring or with assists that Gundogan gave them, especially in the moments that he did it. He saved it for the biggest moments. And you know what I kind of think, think there might will be happen, a bit Alex? Of a drop off there. Just a little bit of a Do drop off. Do you want to know what I think is going to happen next season? I think Grealish is going to drop into a further midfield role and play that Gundogan role next year. And they're gonna play someone on the wing. You know they have they have just so many wing uh, attacking players that they can play anyway. They might play like Alvarez, Holland, and uh, one of their wingers, or you know just play with two up top and play a more you know uh, yeah. midfield controlling base. But I but I do think they have a player like Grealish who can do the work, who's already been showing since the tail end of last season you know, how much defensive work and how much he can track back and how he's willing to do that work for the team. I think that Guardiola's kind of been grooming him to move him further back. And I think we'll see Grealish, like I kind of predict that we'll see him further back next season into in a more like deeper midfield role next to like De Bruyne and... Um, I like that suggestion. And Rodri. But, but do you know what? Okay, remember how City ended up uh, playing at the, the going into the, the run-in of last season when they went on that, you know, monstrous winning streak... Uh, to, to finish the season. It, it all came together with them playing basically a three at the back and then two in front of those uh, back three. And those two players were Rodri and Stones. Ahead of Rodri and Stones was Gundogan and De Bruyne. And then the wingers were Grealish left wing, Mares or... Grealish you know, Foden, or Foden. Right wing. Grealish right. or Foden left wing. And, and then, then Alvarez... Right no, wing. Alvarez or um, Mares Alvarez didn't right start. Wing. Mar- Alvarez, didn't Alvarez start started that often. about twenty games in all competitions last year. I, I'm, ta- I'm talking about. I'm talking about. But played like that, over 30. that period of the season where they figured it out and they had the three-two-two-three formation uh, with Holland by himself up top. The two players behind him in like the at- two attacking midfield spots were De Bruyne and Gundogan, like uh, making runs off of Holland, holding the ball up, or playing Holland in themselves. That's why I think Grealish they can had be the two that, that player there. I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think he can replace Gundogan's spot there, like you said. And then, you know where Kovacic can play? He can play next to Rodri in the two deeper midfield roles, push Stones back to right center back where Kyle Walker was, you know, usually playing. That that works for me. Like that that seems maybe even scarier than That's the what team I'm saying. that went this ahead of Yeah, the this team That's, can get levels now. Oh boy. I think Grealish will come further back. Yeah, and I bet you they'll even sign another left winger. It's like them signing Kovacic isn't like I don't think they have to replace Gundogan. I think they they were already tailor made had a tailor made replacement in Grealish, and I think they're just going oh, to God. go and sign another attacking brilliant player that we're all just going to be like, what the fuck? How can they keep getting players like this? And it's just they can't keep getting away man. with this. <laughs> you know the uh, what's it called? Uh, Freaking uh, Walter White, the Breaking Bad uh, thing, where Jesse is just like, you can't keep getting away with it. <laughs> But they will continue to get away with it. Um, yeah, that's an interesting proposition going into next season. 
let's use the end of this. We're not going to talk about these rumors. I put some rumors down for the end, but we'll stick to the stuff that's actually happened. Bournemouth. They've been, you know, silently moving with some uh, very deadly, I think, some solid uh, decisions. The signing that I put in here was uh, the 24-year-old winger from uh, Roma, Justin Cloyvert, that they signed for about $11 million. I think that signing. signing is just... It is a nice signing. He's kind of underperformed, like, relative to what everyone thought he was going to be like. Because uh, yeah, everyone overhyped him because his dad is Patrick Kluivert, the great Dutch player from the 90s. He hasn't quite quite lived up to those expectations yet, but he is still only 24, similar to, you know, some conversations we had about Kai Havertz. He still could, you know, grow into, you know, improve on his uh, career. It seems like a drop-off going from Roma to Bournemouth, but Bournemouth are they're making surprisingly ruthless decisions, mainly with the sacking of uh, Gary O'Neill, the manager that they appointed Love around to see it. Love November, to see it. December of last year. He got them out of the relegation zone, went on a great winning run uh, with them to you know solidify. Uh, they weren't even in a relegation battle for the last like month or two of the no, season. They, they were, were they firmly were comfortable out of it. and ended up, I think, ten points clear of the relegation zone, something like that, in the end. So. I think 90% of managers would have kept their job after that uh, that performance for a newly promoted team. But I love but it. No. I love that Bournemouth, Bournemouth wanna, don't want to sit at rest on their laurels. They don't want another a team that maybe gets relegated again next year with the same manager and they have to fire this guy. You know, They want to upgrade their manager. They want to get someone who wants to take the team to you know mid-level team. To, to, Bournemouth were that team for a while. They have done this before. Bournemouth have stayed in the Premier we have, League. We have to mention the man's name. They fired Gary O'Neill, and the same day, like it happened one after the other, minutes apart, that they yeah. announced they were sacking Gary O'Neill and announced that they were hiring former Rio Vallecano manager Andoni Iraola, who I was not like very aware of him until this this move happened. But everything you read about the guy and hear about the guy is that he's an overachiever. He has worked at clubs. Uh, even as a player, he was at Athletic Bilbao for, for many, many years, overachieved with them. Uh, and he's done the same in the last three years with Rayo Vallecano, consistently finishing mid-table in La Liga on a shoestring budget and very few resources in general for the club and the players. Which, which you know, from a distance, seems like it's a perfect fit for a club like Bournemouth. You know, you look at their stadium as opposed to so many other clubs around the league. It's a shed compared to, you know, other stadiums. Uh, you look at the players they've uh, historically had. They've, you know, usually have had, you know, English, Scottish, Irish, Welsh players. Uh, not really gone outside of that kind of realm of uh, Europe. But you know, the last couple of months they've started bringing in a few more South Americans. They've started going for big players in Italy. Uh, not always succeeding in that, but. They're starting to like shift their their goals a little bit further up the table to solidify their position in the Premier League, so they don't get relegated like they did last time with Eddie Howe. I I for one like I think I was against the move when I first saw it because it felt like it was kind of disrespectful to Gary O'Neill and the job that he'd done. But I think I've come around to it the more I've read about Iriola, and I I agree with what you said. It's now is the time. You're in the Premier League. You've been in there for a year. Seize the opportunity. Appoint a guy who can, you know, overachieve with this team, and maybe even, maybe even be someone like the the new Maurizio Pochettino. Remember when Pochettino was brought in at Southampton like ten years ago, and they were kind of the same sort of 
level of club, and he turned them into a machine. Yeah, I had no idea like, who he was before that. Players. Exactly. But fuck Pochettino. Fuck you, Alex. Pochettino's trash now. <laughs> Nobody likes him. He went to PSG. He's washed. His career's done, and he's going to be shit at Chelsea. I don't want to. I'm not going to let that stand, Alex. None of this garbage. I didn't, I didn't mention anything about Pochettino at Chelsea. I just said Pochettino did that at Southampton. Uh, are we in your head, Javier? Are you worried about Chelsea next year? Is that what I'm I mean, hearing? No, we've ripped your best player out, so, you know, it's good. Your Champions know, Mason League Mount, goal winner. Mason Mount, Mason Mount still plays for us, technically. You know, he hasn't moved to Man United yet. Watch us sign him, too. <laughs> then you, I, I, I would have, Alex would, I would be on end, suicide I would watch. have to end the pod. I would have to say, all right, we're not doing this anymore. <laughs> like, I'm not coming on here as you talk about Declan Rice and Mason Mount throwing it up at Arsenal. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Do I get to talk about how Kai and Jorginho get to be best friends again, Alex? Yeah, no, there's plenty of time. There's a whole ah, season that we'll get to talk about it. First one to welcome him to Arsenal, Jorginho. <laughs> welcome, my friends. Welcome welcome, uh, uh, third place in Ballon d'Or winner. Welcome Champions League goal scorer from Chelsea. The best players Chelsea had. The gods of their era. Welcome, welcome. You're both not, not past it either. So thank you. Thank you for coming to Arsenal, not being Williams. They're not secret agents, Alex. They're here to, to win trophies. You like that? Well, you saw how that went with Jorginho. All right, Javier. Thank you. I know it's been two weeks, but we, we needed to jump back on and talk about all of these moves that Arsenal and Chelsea have been doing and uh, all those other ones as well. If you want to follow Javier on Twitter, you can do so at JavierRev9. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at asmos 92 and you can follow the podcast socials at Ghost Call Pod. Before we close this out, I want to give a shout out to an old college friend of mine, Yuande Balogun, uh, played at the University of Maryland uh, for the women's team there uh, in, in goal, has since restarted or rekindled her career in women's football, playing for Saint-Étienne in France for the last year. And I want to congratulate her. She got herself a spot on the Nigerian women's team uh, squad for the upcoming World Cup in July. I'm so happy for her. She's a beautiful person, and it, it couldn't happen to a better person. And I'm so hyped to say that uh, an old friend of mine is going to be playing at a World Cup. So uh, good luck to her and the Nigerian uh, national team, other than when they play Ireland, because they are in the same group along with uh, Canada and Australia. Uh, but in all those other games, good luck to Nigeria. Enjoy your 4th of July weekends, everyone. And until next time, see ya. <laughs>